0: Dirty here, Come out now and fight! You need to be more like a doll. We don't need a bunch of cats in here looking in the
1: mirror. Be a dome! happens in leash, it's always a scandal. Why do you think that was? Probably because we're
0: always drinking and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no smoke without fire, not going to light
2: I met Tomas O'Shea one day and he said, I'm sick of that Northern crowd. He said, If they went set dancing twice a week, we'd all be set dancing twice a week.
0: But I can remember a lad, Jay Boothrod, right? and he was getting sick, right lying like that, <laughs> looking at me like, and I'm going, This is not helping me. Every man, woman, and monkey in me all is nearly right in the mall. Shaking the bucket! That's it!
1: All right, you're very welcome to this week's panel. On uh, the panel this week, we have Liam McHale, Mayo Gaelic football legend, also a legend in Irish basketball. We're going to talk about that in a little while. Val Andrews, former Laird and Cavan manager and an expectant Ballymun Kickhams member this week as well. And Damien Lawler, sports writer, author, and ghostwriter, uh, mostly published in the Sunday Independence, as well as by uh, good book companies all around the country. Lads, you're all very welcome. Val, first off, thanks very much for, for coming in. You know, I'm, I know it's difficult for you sometimes. Your records um,
0: of injury. Yeah. yeah, it's not good, is it, Jerry? You're a bit of a bogey for me. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I Fell off the bike today on the way in, outside Glasnevin Cemetery, which is, I suppose, there's a, there's a message there for me. The last time, one of the times I broke my finger coming in. But you're looking, I'm here, and yeah. it's great to be alive.
1: You survived. Yeah, uh,
0: it's Ireland, England this weekend. We wanted to get all of your perspective
1: on this and um, whether or not it means that much to you. If uh, it just seems that the whole kind of um, country takes on just a really sense of massive sense of expectancy.
3: Does it mean much to you, Liam? Oh yeah, any time Ireland are playing England in any sport, it means a lot to me um, This game then has a, has a fairly big significance because both teams had big wins uh, last week and everybody's expecting now whoever wins this game uh, tomorrow could possibly win the championship so I think everybody every nearly every country in the world when they play England want to beat them but there's something special when we... Uh, we
1: we think it's just us but you're yeah, right it is everybody.
3: Yeah. I think everybody wants to beat them. I, you know the Germans in soccer, the Dutch, the Spanish always enjoyed. Argentina obviously all, uh, enjoys beating them so it's a massive game for us and you know, ma- no matter what situation I'd be in I'd always try and make myself available to watch the game in the pub or whatever you know. Yeah, <laughs> that's a difficult decision we all have to make. <laughs> Which pub will I be going to?
0: Val, what about you? Um, ah yeah, Gerald. I mean, what can you say? Um, it's tribal like and uh, it's nationalistic its you know there's all these connotations like I mean there's a sort of a subconscious memory of days gone by and I suppose my generation I'm only talking from my generation the lads are a little bit younger than me although Lawler's catching up is um, you know what I mean we were brought up in the CB system like we got one version of history you know what I mean? Very nationalistic. I'm probably right, where you're looking at it. And you know, I mean, I was at a conference in Twickenham a few years ago, and they were going to be moaning the fact about how come the Irish seem to be more passionate playing against England than the English playing against Ireland. And like, how do you explain that to them? Like, you know what I mean? You know, all this history that we have, like, and there is embedded no matter what. Like, I mean, you look at like, I mean, the rugby match, uh, John Hayes, crying national anthem. Bears. I mean, that's one of the greatest national anthems I have ever seen ever heard or ever will again like As I a, mean at Croker the first time at Croker the first time yeah I mean and like it, it, you know whatever we say like it's, it's all these mixed up things that comes back through it, you know what I mean like with the underdog we'll show the Brits God bless them and all this yeah, and it is there like and it would be ingrained deeply into the psyche of most people born in Ireland like. did you go to that game did you no, no no I didn't I didn't no but I mean just watching that, and I would watch it again I watched that clip again like if you want to start to get yourself psyched up for cycles oh, In preparation for the show
2: here today, I actually watched it two nights ago. um, (laughs) And I was at that game and you're right, I've never heard a national anthem absolutely harsh out of it like that. And I was just thinking to myself there, looking back over a few notes last night, are you maybe guilty of being over-colonial and stuff like that? But then you think back and you say to yourself, right, when at the height of the troubles in Ireland, the English rugby team had no problem coming over here when other countries did. And you say fair dues. And then, really, you get overtaken at the end by Martin Johnson and, and the president. Oh, and okay, yeah. You think back to
0: well, what you Dennis was that, Taylor
2: then? in 2003. Three. Yeah, yeah. And then you think back to maybe Steve Davis, Dennis Taylor, Chris Eubank, Steve Collins. And I looked at the, the anthem the night and when God Save the Queen was played, grand. But when Aron Avine came on and an Ireland's call afterwards, to a lesser extent, Crow Park lifted like I've never heard it before, really. Because um, you had most of the inhabitants. But you see, John
0: Johnson's gesture in two thousand and three. Like you know what I mean? Like. Mm. Like, let's be straight about it. Like, I mean, I don't believe that that wasn't calculated. I don't believe it wasn't thrown a cycle. A little bit of, like Mayo gone to the wrong end one year. But that but, um, was a complete <laughs> accident. That, yeah, so we heard all these but accidents. Should we should try that more often, I think.
3: We had <laughs> but, uh, a good result that day.
0: But you know what I mean? Johnson went out there. And bottom line is, like, I mean, he went and he, you know, he knew where he was standing. And he knew his thing. Like, I was hoping, I remember watching that, like, I was hoping to be a big stuff. We should just pile in I lost two years. I mean, that, that, that was just really a psychological decided, thing. Yeah. Yeah. I had nothing
3: got to do with uh, mm. politics or anything no. or history he was, was trying to take state, like, imagine he yeah. insulted the
2: Queen yeah. well we do regularly but anyway. <laughs> yeah. but then again when he did explain himself I don't know where it was a couple of years later I would calmed down a little bit listening to him to be fair about it but um, that day watching that unfold again I was at that game and you're just screaming everything at him you know and I suppose really Ireland, England in anything put two flies gun up a wall and put a, a tricolour on one of them and for better or for worse but if we we're sports fans you know and we're yeah. sports people so take that away you don't have anything really do
0: you but all great rivalries like all great rivalries are built on some sort of underlying undercurrent subconscious somebody starting. has to be an underdog in, yeah. in any great rivalry or some sense of injustice sir. yeah
1: because we don't have this rivalry with Scotland, Wales or France really like you know we, okay so France always beat us that's generally <laughs> a part of the problem with a rivalry and that sometimes <laughs> you, you kind of need to win um, we had a touch of it
2: with Argentina for a couple of years you know
1: yeah and there was a bit of salt in that mm. but that that like that it, that blew apart over a period of time Felipe came here and uh,
2: mm. one coast fell in love with him and the other coast hated him yeah. even more but that's right I suppose the bottom line is really you'd be accusing the English teams of being arrogant and yeah. the, what I'd be worried about this weekend is that this English team leaving aside Haskell and Ashton they're supposed to be quite humble yeah. I'd be wary of that I like when they're arrogant because <laughs> the Irish can raise the, the gallop for that you know. And but I think the Irish,
0: I think it's worth I mean like uh, I mean as a boy who dreamed dream to play against England than anything do you know what I mean like yeah. I mean was one of the things like whether it's just
2: the result in cricket a few years ago Jerry was half have to say <laughs> I would not know one end of a cricket bat from the other now to my shame but um it was exceptional. Yeah, you know what, what happened in that. I mean, we, we well, were in the, the office, country really. Everybody
3: yeah. in the country, people that <laughs> know absolutely nothing about cricket, were beat them at their own yeah, game. You know, literally. That's people really, really. People people, people did. People <laughs> did enjoy it though. in the
1: office that day. Everybody stopped what they were doing and huddled around the TV. And the only other time that I've seen the office so enthralled to something that was happening on the TV was when the Royal Wedding was on when <laughs> the entire office also huddled around the TVs so I think that probably says quite a lot about us and, and our troubled relationship with uh, with England maybe Katie Taylor's fights as well because they actually did happen when everybody was in the office as well John Hayes' tears is one of the greatest moments in Irish sports says uh, a texter um, I think that's fair enough there's so much emotion and then I Jerry think it Fanny also helps we absolutely hammered them I mean yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 if yeah. we'd lost that game Plus well, sure,
2: I suppose if you've been really parochial about it wasn't that the evening that didn't Shane Horgan catch your you know the GEA ball and and bounce down on the try line yeah. from a, a Lee McHale kick and catch sort of a job which made it a bit sweeter as well but uh, there was a huge thing about a thing I was proudest of that day was how people reacted to God Save the Queen being played in Croke Park there was fierce dignity among the Irish people you know, I mean you go back to you don't have to go back over history to know the events and from a Tiberi perspective there was a there was a huge symbolism attached to Michael Hogan and stuff like that and there was a huge dignity attached to the Irish response and the, you know I, I was reading Jeremy Guscott in the Irish Indo this morning and he was saying he's always been afforded a, a thousand welcomes in Ireland and you know there is a dignity but you'd like to, to invite them in soften them and, and then but
0: they would—they wouldn't be aware now. Like I mean, I don't think the English are aware. Like it's just one no, way. It's, like. it's, it's com- <laughs> no, you're right. One way yeah, traffic completely. No, no. completely. I mean, they shout so. for us in everything. Yeah, they their they, own team uh, they wouldn't have a clue. Like of or, or be aware of any we're but like this. That's
3: the—that's the big difference. I—we're I, still even the, the young people, the twenty-year-olds. We're still if Spain were playing England in a soccer match, everybody'd be shouting for Spain. But I think that's still there, isn't it? Premiership-wise,
2: then Liam, they yeah. all shout for English clubs. So yeah. it doesn't make much sense. But you it is—it's a contradiction, really. Yeah. Yeah, it is one-sided because I'd have people that I'd know quite well over in the UK maybe relations of the in-laws and stuff like that and they'd be well up for shouting for Ireland and certain things and they'd, they'd say to you I'd presumably be shouting for, for us and you say oh yeah definitely but you, not in a million years <laughs> you know it's huh? just, it's, as you say it goes back to your education and your upbringing did, yeah. and stuff but, like but that. also
1: maybe because that's what rivalry should be I mean I don't think that any Munster fans cheer for Leinster when they're playing French teams really when it comes down to it and likewise I would suggest that the Leinster fans aren't really hoping that Munster win and that's what good Friendly (laughs) rivalries between two teams should be.
2: Are you including the the Leinster fans that just left Munster a couple of years ago when their team started winning? The Leinsters, yeah. (laughs) Uh,
1: As Tommy Tiernan said, everyone loves to see England defeated in such things as sport and war. (laughs) Uh, To Damien's point, I think the Irish people were insulted at the idea that they would boo a country's national anthem. The collective respect of the 80,000 that day was in itself a form of protest. I uh, should tell you all that uh, Gareth Bale has just got a second goal for Spurs they now lead Newcastle by two goals to one at White Hart Lane there's 77-78 minutes gone in the game there this afternoon and if there's any changes in that we'll uh, let you know as well um, one of the other things that we wanted to talk about was uh, basketball because uh, recently there's a brilliant documentary on Satanta I don't know if everybody's seen this sure. yet and I'm sure they're repeating it um, quite a bit um, I want to just play uh, actually a clip from uh, this we've, we've put two clips together here have, have a quick listen to this
0: This little girl walks up and rubs her finger across my skin and then looks at her finger and said, you know, it doesn't come off. You know, I didn't take offense. I just said, no, no, this is, this is my color. And then I rubbed my hand and I said, see, I think by just talking to her and telling her that opened her
3: eyes up. They spoke too fast, man. You know, they used to say to me, oh, you speak fast. And I said, man, you speak fast than me. You speak like Puerto Ricans. Yep, 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 yep. And I was just trying to, I was trying to catch on. And then going to Cork or the North or to the West. Oh, man, forget it.
1: Two of the Americans who played basketball and kind of lit up basketball in the uh, 80s from an Irish perspective. Liam, I don't know if you've seen this documentary on Satanta yet, but um, the... the Kind of history of Irish basketball, you're a central figure in the middle of it all. Kind of watching this unfold and watching this sport capture the heart of the country for the best part of a decade.
3: Yeah, it was amazing, and obviously we were delighted as a as a small rural team to be to find ourselves stuck in the middle of it. Um, it was just I think I think what happened, Joe, was the quality of the Americans were as high as they could possibly be. You know, there were some of them were drafted, didn't make it. The likes of E. Eli came over here you know learned a little bit about the international game went back and won four rings with Houston and with San Antonio so the calibre of player was absolutely immense there's a picture of Calvin Troy who went to Rutgers that was Calvin there yeah. yeah. D- d- uh, p- uh, defending Larry Bird who obviously was one of the best players of all time so you're talking about high class top class division one players pulled massive crowds there. you could see it in the documentary the crowds there was three three and a half thousand people at these games in Cork and in facilities that could fill them the players could be the, the, these players were getting big money at the time, you know, twenty five, thirty years ago, they were getting five, six, seven hundred pound a week, you know, and they'd be converting that back to dollars at the time, so they're getting double that and bringing it home, so that way we could we could keep them. And then at practice, I had I was practicing against two top class Division One players in a little gym eight miles outside Ballinat three or four nights a week, so you had to get better. You're learning. Uh, co- co- about conditioning side of things learning how to lift weights you're learning how to play the game and learn the, the fundamentals of the game and how they played the game the best in the world at the time at it uh, and they still are so it was just it was an it was an amazing um, it was an amazing time to be involved in a sport and you see an awful lot of, and it's regrettable you see an awful lot of basketball players now giving up basketball to commit to Gaelic football Ronan McGarry mihal Quirk Donny uh, John Galvin you know Michael Darren McCauley and it's a shame but the same crowds aren in the same razthmats in there you know, and i don 't blame them, but it's still I think it's going to hurt them in the long run that their football skills won 't be as sharp if they played Gaelic, or if they played basketball as well as Gaelic football
2: What did you feel like when Paddy O 'Connor from Killarney brought the Americans over for the first time? I see Ian Holloway last night complaining about all the Udinese players on the Watford mm. books. You know was that a an unfair balance when the Yanks came to Ireland first of all?
3: Well, it was for for uh, for a while mm. till uh, you know Thomas O'Sullivan said in that documentary you know this is amazing we have to catch up so Poddy was obviously the main driving force behind all of that but I remember I was like, like 17 when Tony Andres and Arnold Weasley came to Ballinat to play us that was it, Tony
1: we heard telling the story yeah, of the little girl in there.
3: and like I was 17 There were the two biggest human beings I'd ever seen in my life and were there like one little white American 5 foot 10 a fella called Steve Smith a great player now but a fella called Steve Smith uh, from Framingham in Boston and uh, uh, he was an expert three-point shooter and there was no three-point line in, in the game at the time so we were there like how are we going to manage this you know but we ended up playing well against them, and the learning thing was huge and the crowd that was at that particular game that day were just amazed yeah. so everybody you either give it up or you, or you catch up
0: the razzmatazz the razzmatazz I was in Trillet lived in Trillet for six years and then uh, you to to the Trillet games because like, where I come from like Munkin comes out like we never seen honestly there was no basketball or never seen the game. Yeah. And the uh, first game was down in Chile, like and I couldn't get over that. The boss do you know what I mean? Like oh, how, why you wouldn't want to play this game? It was really exciting. Actually Ballinap was one of the games I've seen, like I've seen it about four or five games. Incredible entertainment, Jack. Yeah, and I actually, because of that, the Nationals, you know, the way the odd time flashed across, the Nationals came up two or three weeks ago. Yeah. And I looked for tickets, but unfortunately, it's sold out. You know what mm. I mean? You couldn't get in. But it is a great spectacle. And basketball and its coaching methods actually hold the key to breaking down the mass defence in the future. Well, I was,
2: I was saying to Lean before we came on here, I interviewed Pat Price. He was the former UCC and Neptune coach. He spent 11 of the last 13 years in Ireland, but he's gone back to college basketball uh, in the US. And he was saying that. Um, when Terry Stickland came over um, back in the, the 80s that it was the first time Cork people had seen coloured men walking down the streets and the reaction that they got and Terry told a famous story he was with the guide of Smith's uh, beside him he said uh, even the dogs on the street stopped to stare at him that they'd never seen figures like this different colours and different sizes
1: Tony under was 6 foot 8 um a big, big, big guy. Right. Yeah, he'd
3: be six foot eight, eighteen, nineteen stone, maybe even bigger. He was an absolute an enormous, and Weasley and was just a little bit shorter, but a bigger build. You know. So when you're when you're like six foot five and twelve and a half, thirteen stone at the time, you'd be kind of looking at these guys and saying, "How are we going to manage?" But um, did Calvin try stay in Ireland then? Calvin is still in Ireland, still married with kids. Do you my teammate that came over and, yeah. and started playing with us? Twenty-five, thirty years ago, he's still in Ireland. There's a lot, a lot of guys settled here and enjoyed and life Mario here. Mario
2: Eli went to Portugal and then states became a multi-millionaire. Yeah, there.
3: well, he's coaching now. Mario Mario yeah. won four rings, two with Houston. He played with Akim Olajuwon. He was very, he was lucky. He played with Akim Olajuwon in, in a perfect setup and won two rings with Houston. Then he played with David David Robinson and Tim Duncan and won two more. So.
2: And he was late making it, league was he? Oh, he was.
3: Yeah, he like he wasn't by any means the best basketball player that I ever played against. I Ray Smith Terry Strickland Diora Calvin Troy, all those guys were better. But like he, he just found himself. I guess he had a massive work ethic, you know, and uh, he was determined to make it, and um, a very serious individual. And he he got into the right situation at the right time, and he had a great NBA career.
0: There's a great crossover, you know. What I mean? there's a great crossover in Kerry as we have seen with the lads playing basketball. Yeah, but the you guild. brought up a
3: very interesting point? We we'll go back to us talking about yeah. Like I was just saying to Damien, and every time we went to the gym, we practiced. Gaelic footballers train and they're going to have to stop training and start practicing because they're not honing their skills and I think it's getting worse and worse all the time and we're talking about outside yeah. as well Ger, that everybody's trying to copy what Donegal did or what Tyrone have done in the past or what Armagh and That's what pointless. you have to try and yeah, do is start breaking yeah. it down yeah and uh, that's the only way yeah. forward somebody the, the, some GA people are going to have to we talked about this before Geron, this in, in this very studio S- people are going to have to start trying to break these defences down but
0: it's, it is a basketball problem that you have in Gat at the moment like I was looking at them sort the of three point offences and all this sir, and, and was it free motion offence mm. for basketball and there's certainly stuff that we should be coaching to break down the mass defences and that like I mean and lots of screens mm. and things like that well, but do you think I, a I, limit on the hand passing maybe no I mean just I'm just looking at Within the, existing, coaching, within the existing yeah. rules like There's enough there If you look at basketball The way they Are coached so well And everybody does their job And let, look at You can't be given out About Donegal Donegal are very They're great at transition They're great at yeah, defending fast break, yeah. They're fast You know what I mean that, um, That's what they're good so it's at they're, basketball style yeah, They
3: defend I, Suck up pressure And then they're fast go. break
0: And they have two great three-point shooters and Mike Fadden and Morphy. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, so, but you you, you're you know. talking
3: about the screens. Yeah. I saw, I, I watched uh, Manchester United from dead ball situations, corners in particular, Village going setting a screen for Same. Rooney or Van Persie to release him and, for a header and it's in the back of the night. I've seen them scoring. So obviously, the the great Alex Ferguson will be watching these DVDs <coughs> and taking little bits out of them. I'm sure you've seen it yourselves, yeah, Lance, yeah, where yeah. they set picks, yeah. we call them picks or screens, open up a guy and get him free for a score now.
1: Why what happened so um, the, this documentary kind of captures a moment in Irish sporting history and, and kind of Irish social history where a big period of change and like I remember as a kid in Dreamland in Athai Burgerland Neptune came up and played a game so they were obviously trying to spread the gospel all over the place and there would have been some basketball in thigh alright but like we all went and it was crazy and the atmosphere was like there was that kind of sense of these are the guys who were on the TV why did that popularity stop? What, what happened to prevent the sport from going to the next level and, and it being something that, like, you could easily fit a basketball season into all sports fans' lives at the moment. Yeah. You know, it's indoors. The yeah. facilities seem OK. It's quite cheap
2: to go to. Good time of the year in regards to other sports. Exactly, yeah. Yeah.
3: Well, it was it was great. Everybody would get dressed up at, like, 6, half 6 on a Saturday night. I think this was happening all over the country. It certainly was happening in Ballana. The girls would be dialed up. They'd all head then to the game and then they were out for the night. Yeah. So that was all that was happening on a Saturday night. But um, I don't know. Um, in, in in Europe, we could pay them, the Americans, what they, what they were getting in the big countries in Europe. But all of a sudden mm-hmm. then Spain, Italy, France, Germany just went through the roof and started paying astronomical amounts of money. Guys were getting five, ten grand a week as opposed to the five or six or seven hundred that we could give. That was one reason, you know... Um, um, the football became more televised. You know, there was more competition. You know, for for there was more radio stations like yourselves. jerk came in on it. The, the sponsorship uh, went big. Then the rugby went professional, right took another little bit of uh, bit of action from it. But I think the biggest point was we 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 started failing to get the big Americans in, and then mm-hmm. the Irish Basketball Association simply because a lot of the rural Tralee, Ballina, all said that the teams outside of Cork, the Dublin clubs as well, said, we can't afford to play two Americans or pay two Americans anymore. We need to break it down to one. And then it was uh, four or five, or four Irish guys with an average American getting 250 euros. That's crazy, Dean, because... And then, they, obviously, the the standard mm-hmm. wasn't there. You weren't looking at the top Division One players playing anymore. And... But was but there, there not crowdfunded because like they, of that? They
2: reckon there's about five hundred thousand, five hundred fifty thousand uh, high school basketballers in the US, but only three percent go on to to play at college level. So was there not enough of a surplus? You'd imagine that some yeah, Irish clubs couldn't pick up some of their. But
3: there's leagues all over the world now, and there's mm-hmm. and there's high paying leagues all over the world, and there's D leagues and under six foot four leagues and everything all over the states as well and a lot of guys would like to stay in the country that if they're playing well in that league and their numbers are good the dream is that they'll get called by the Boston Celtics or the Lakers or whatever area they're in you know they're out the field that if they're closer to home they have a chance and there's all these type of leagues going on Mm -hmm. but um, Uh,
1: that's the point actually a makes one of the reasons is that there's not enough Americans allowed in if Jermaine Turner had been here for years uh, sorry Jermaine Turner who's been here for years here for years is married and settled in Ireland but can't play this year because there's only one American allowed on each team it's far too closed off for the game to develop fully do yeah, you agree I, with that?
3: I, I would yeah I would and uh, people say that you don't want seven or eight Americans on the roster and no Irish guys playing and that is a fact but you still can have two or three on yeah, the roster yeah. so there needs and to and be a balance it's up, the, it's up to the Irish guys to get the minutes you know, you can't be there sulking saying, "Well, there's three Americans on the team. I'm getting very little minutes." You got to fight and 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 earn your minutes. And if you do that, then the standard is going up. The Irish players that I played against were all serious players. An awful lot of them played Division One basketball in the States. But the, because of the Americans that were here, Jared, that's what that's because the standard went so high. The American players were right. so good, so everybody kind of developed because of that.
1: Is it true that you turned down a scholarship to the States to play basketball?
3: Um, I, I, I think it was six or seven scholarships I turned down. One, one coach came over to Beliná to get me to sign on the Dalit line but I, I started playing football for Mio. John. It's, this is all John O'Mahony's fault. <laughs> I was all set to go uh, and uh, John brought me in with the Mio under 21 team. My first full game for Mio was an All-Ireland under-21 final when I was 17 and a half, 18. The we played, was against, meal. We, we, played, <laughs> we played against Cork and Ennis. They beat us by two or three points in an all Ireland final. But John brought me in. He saw me playing a club match. And I, I wasn't taking football serious at the time. I was just, you know, the boys would say, we have a game tonight. Would you come up and play under-21 or minor or whatever? And i said yeah. So John saw me playing in, in, in a game and asked me, would I come in? And I was a minor that year. But he was over the under-21 team. Yeah. And I said, I'll come in. And I, I trained for two weeks and came on as a sub against Dublin and Longford and I played well and and started in the final against Cork and kind of started to enjoy it then and said you know something I'll give this a a, a whack I was brought into the senior team very quickly by Liam O'Neill after that so it kind of happened very quickly and I kind of had didn't have much time to make up my mind so I said I'd play Gaelic football for for Mio and I'd play basketball in the winter time with the the club Any regrets? No Carl Mannion the midfielder for Bridgets after watching the documentary asked me that I said there's only one major regret I have I played in four inter-county All-Ireland finals drew one and lost three played in a club All-Ireland lost across New Glen by a point and played in another 21 All-Ireland that first yeah. All-Ireland so say the only regret I have is that i never won an All-Ireland you know had six shots at it and to fail the six times it, it, it would be a massive disappointment for me you know
1: but the giving up a, an American scholarship to play basketball that, that you actually you, you're happy you traded that for the six shots at the
3: All-Ireland yeah yeah, I, I, I made the decision quick and and um, mm-hmm. I, I i went i I went for it and i'm I'm happy that I committed as hard as I could possibly People would say that the basketball hindered your uh, football, you could have been a better of football. I totally disagree with that. I I would put it the other way around. But when when I was when I was training for football and when I was playing for football, I was totally committed and gave it my best shot. But I think people in meo especially doubted my commitment at times because I would always say kind of insane in Yeah, the yeah. irony of that. Yeah, yeah. and then, I played for thirteen years. You know, so it was it wasn't easy. You know, traveling. Like I'd be in Waterford playing a basketball match on a Saturday night to be a car outside, and I'd be in for Four o'clock the next morning. You know, there's not too many guys doing that now. So, but I enjoyed it. I have absolutely no regrets. The only regret I have is that we couldn't have uh, snuck one of those All Ireland's.
1: All right, 53106 is the text number. We've a couple of minutes left here to uh, talk about loads more stuff as well. There's a couple of minutes left at Hart Lane as well. They're playing seven minutes of injury time and it still spurs to Newcastle One. We've got to take a quick break when we come back. uh, We're going to be talking about loads more as well. 53106 is the
2: number. News Talk Sport, Saturday, in association with UPC, the fibre power network with 50 meg broadband as standard.
1: So we have uh, unequivocal evidence that Gareth Bale has no right foot because he's missed from two yards for his hat-trick from, I I don't know, it's going to be the last chance of the game you would expect. There is uh, 97 minutes on the clock, the seven minutes of injury time have uh, elapsed but I haven't seen a miss like that in a long time the ball just breaks to him the keeper's nowhere to be seen open goal bang straight over the crossbar uh, a point that um, a Gaelic footballer would have been proud of 2-1 is the score they're still playing though there's obviously some major injury in that second half that uh, we'll, we'll get the full story of in a little while um Right, we're uh, we We're talking about loads of stuff actually and loads of text coming in. Ed Randolph was an American who played here. His son Darren is now the sub-goalkeeper for the Irish soccer team. Oh. That's right, um, out in Bray. Hi lads, I used to watch Liam and brothers playing with Team Harp, then Team Connacht Gold in Killala as a kid. Great memories, Mayo legend, says Paul and Mayo. Could, could it ever happen again? Is it too late? as the ship yeah. sailed? Or I, is
3: I can't see it happening again, Joe. I, just can't, I can't see clubs getting the finances in getting those type of players over again and without those type of foreign players it's, it's not going to happen you know
1: you need the NBA to adopt Ireland somehow as yeah, a theatre yeah. league or something yeah. there was a, I, I,
3: I, did, I just heard on the, I heard it somewhere now but Dublin International have pulled out of the, 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 the Super League some they were trying to sign a player and they weren't allowed to sign the player I think it's past the you know signing on date and nice. like they pulled out so when you see that happening in the Super League yeah, it's a major problem I don't know all the circumstances but I, I read it somewhere this morning and that's you know when, you, when, a, when an organisation is having problems like that it's not good and you have all the marquee players like the Donaheys and the McGarrettys of this world not playing because they're concentrating on football it's not helping either. They're the best players in the country. You say they're the ones that pull the crowds, you know. Ask
1: well, Liam why Trulli and Bale Now don't have Super League teams anymore in such a niche sport in the country. They were two rural hotbeds, which is crucial to the development of the game.
3: That's the reason Ronan McGarrett and, and guys like that don't play with us anymore because they're playing with playing Gaelic football and the demands are, you know, all the comi- conditioning demands and all the, you know, off, you know, when you're not training, you have to go to the pool, you have to lift weights, study tape, all that sort of stuff. And Karen Donny and me, Quirk, are not playing with Trulli anymore. And when you lose two or three players like that, your club is going to struggle.
1: There's two more things that I want to talk about uh, on our panel. It's gone full-time, 2-1 win for Spurs against Newcastle. We want to talk about ageism. Um, that's through the prism of Brian O'Driscoll. Uh, but we'll talk about that in a moment because first up, I want to talk about Stephen Kelly and uh, Giovanni Trapatoni. Um, Stephen Kelly is generally considered to be one of the nicer guys who plays football for uh, a living who's ever played for Ireland. And um, Trapatoni has been reprimanded by the FAI for um, coming out on the attack against Kelly in the press conference the other day. Val, I don't know, what's your take on this when you know, a manager has to be able to, to be free to talk about his players, but is there a line which you can't cross?
0: No. I mean, look, at is wrong here. There's absolutely no question that Trappertone is wrong to be discussing a player and his personal conversation with him in, in a public sort of forum and mentioning his names. And that's the bottom line. Trapp is on, what, 1 million, 1.2 million or whatever it is. It's like going to the doctor and the doctor going down to the pub and saying, Jerry Gilroy was in with me Did I tell you what he has? You know, I mean I <laughs> oh, don't on oh, no, we won't tell him. Um, but um no, but in, in fairness in fairness no, that's my great take on it. Like and sometimes it's very hard as a manager to shut your mouth. You know what I mean? Especially if the if the player starts gobbing off, you know, and saying this, this, this and this but in general, like if you're getting you're a professional, like and we teaching, you know, the sports management and coaching out in Blanchetown's IT and and like one thing you're saying is confidentiality like you have to like respect the dressing room and you try to respect the players especially what they say to you one on one like yeah, and okay Trapp is just completely wrong
1: even if the allegation that Trapp made which has subsequently been kind of denied by Stephen Kelly that uh, Kelly wouldn't travel to the Faroe Islands game because James Coleman had been picked he's like well, <laughs> either you pick me or I'm not going
0: yeah well th- that's not the, th- the issue here is not I don't it doesn't matter what the, the, the content of this is about the bottom line is that we shouldn't know about it yeah. we shouldn't know about it the pre- yeah, well he shouldn't have mentioned his name he shouldn't have mentioned any player's name in that sort of thing in a public forum like that do you know what it's
2: I mean I think the FBI are losing patience Jerry. I mean, you, yeah it, you it's obvious
0: it. that I mean yeah. I, he seems to be going off in a, and I, he's wrong and that's the bottom line he's just completely wrong there like I mean you can't do that sort of crack the gas thing is like Stephen
2: Kelly has, is he 32, 37 caps for Ireland probably sat yeah. on the bench just as many times and kept his mouth shut he's always showed up he's a, a really good guy I would have interviewed him years ago before while I was doing soccer and stuff like that and I don't think he, he, he's a guy to throw the, the ties out of the pram but we were just saying this is the 16th or 17th incident of player uh, disagreements that have become yeah, public We're with it since 2008.
3: There's a major lack of, commu- lack of communication between the... But communication I, 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 I have a, a serious,
2: serious problem with this now and I'll tell you what it is. What is he, 1.3 million after the pay cut? Um, and he still can't speak any sort of um, English. And you, 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 you But hang
1: on, you, you do you hire him and he can't speak English. You
0: can't you don't really expect him to But whether he speaks English or Italian or German or Greek, it doesn't really matter. The bottom line is that he broke a confidence of a player.
2: But you not expect that he would get himself to a level of communication whereby it's acceptable. Like the the thing about it is or maybe I'm I, dreaming here. I <laughs> think
1: I think communication, yeah, but maybe that's where, that's you where have I think that translator But, but sure, yeah. like
2: it's it's all um he's falling out with guys through text. He's calling Shane Long an idiot. He's saying some crazy, crazy stuff. And the thing about it too is that um we we're playing dreadful football on top of everything. I mean I watched that friendly the other night and uh, God help me I nodded off. We were you know? okay
1: in the second half when he brought Wes Houlihan off the bench yeah, after and, sixty minutes. And Hendrick
2: and, and all these guys Pilkington and should have all got their chances. Well he didn't play this time but um it's I just I just feel at this stage now that um sixteen seventeen incidents is nearly too much. And I think even Premiership managers Like, Martin O'Neill is a bit irked this time because Tardetti claimed that Westwood wanted to leave Sunderland to get um, first-team football. And I don't think that went down well with Martin O'Neill. It was Sam Allardyce the last time. It's a different manager every time they come back from international duty, apart from players.
1: It's interesting you bring up Martin O'Neill because he was asked in a press conference yesterday about whether or not James McLean is maturing. And he was like, no, he's not maturing. He's going against (laughs) our advice. He's back on Twitter and we told him
0: not to be. Now, is that a breach of confidence or like... Because you can kind of see. I mean, you also say, like, what's my O'Neill out there? Like, just deal with the problem. Like, you don't have to be telling the country. Like, I mean, if Liam McHale has a problem on Twitter, go to Liam McHale and say, Liam, stop the Twitter.
1: He, he's done that, though. So and, that, then
0: that and then find him. And then start to mean. get a little that's bit more doing, aggressive start, with him. Start
1: like finding
2: him. When hit <laughs> him in the pocket, he won't be long doing it. some guy from the Derry City former sub goalie's go over to live with yeah. James I think maybe they just sit down and have a chat and focus on playing football again just get rid of all the side stuff until you get back to a level again I think that's the best thing he needs to do because he's loads of ability but he needs to take the shackles off again he's gone back very very defensively this season
1: Yeah, Kilmore Kalaki are two points up on Thurlis Sarsfields. Uh, about three minutes into the second half in the first All-Ireland club hurling semi-final this afternoon um, we'll let you know what the crack is with that one if there's uh, any changes the, the final thing that we want to talk about is uh, Brian O'Driscoll here um, he was on off the ball during the week and uh, brought up an interesting point about the perpetual questions about his age and his imminent retirement
0: it's, it's more it's, uh, it's a general thing amongst the public and, and maybe some uh, some journals that you, know, you get to, it's a bit of they're a bit ageist in that um, they you know, they start writing off as soon as you get to 32 and people are, can't mm. wait to retire you yeah. so it's just a, a matter of trying to um, hang
3: tough and, and prove that you're still still able for it at this level
1: We've got uh, Dervil work on the programme um, as well and she said that um, it's coming up after 3 o'clock she said she's experienced uh, quite a bit of this as well
2: are we too quick to close the door on our he
0: other players? He mentioned journalists there didn't he?
2: Yeah, he's right. I I think from Pori Joyce got his first grey hair seven or eight years ago. He was fielded with questions about imminent retirement, and like I think Joyce eventually went last last winter at thirty five or something like that. But as far as I can recall, he's been asked about when you're going to step down, when you're going to step down, and it's um we we do get too hung up on it definitely. And you but look isn't at not
0: the isn't that just basically let's be straight about it, right? You have a job to do. Yeah. The journalists have a job to do, right? there's not much happening tonight do you know what I mean but I so, so I'm going to ask him this question it's a anyway. big story, a story know, even man. if he
3: gives you a, a timeline it's yeah. a big story but all great players evolve you know they figure he, like, he's lost a step hmm. tomorrow he's not going to break any Frenchman's ankles with a dummy and run over uh, uh, from 50 yards out but he's still he's figured other ways how to score tries. he's a better passer of the ball now he's, he's still as good a tackler hmm. as he was and great players will figure out a way of, of changing their game to keep them at that level and obviously he's one of those, he's one of the best in the world and the big thing with, with rugby players is it's such a physical game, I think it's amazing that he's still playing that. with the amount of knocks, yeah. bangs and the, the way he tackles and the way he gets hit himself, he's fearless. So that's the amazing thing for me that he's still out there, you know, running around and playing top class international rugby. But it's gas
2: lads, there's not much said to Gordon Darcy really about his He's not as getting as much focus, and roughly around the same age, Ger, aren't they? It's
1: probably until it's same position. as soon as uh, O'Driscoll goes, then it'll be
3: Darcy,
0: you're next <laughs> when you're retiring. Retire, well, you're going to retire. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's more to do with the desire to go out there, the desire to put in the work to, to go out there.
3: Well, he said it there, Joe, you know? that he uh, now I think now he feels that he has to keep proving people wrong because these questions have been asked now for the last two or three years. and that's a great motivation for a guy that has played 12, 13 years for his country as well yeah. that every time he steps on the field now he knows that he's going to give it his best shot
2: and then Jared, the, the, the converse is uh, I saw Don Low there at a, a book launch before Christmas and I'd have to say that physically I've never seen him in better nick and he the fire is still raging so hard inside that guy he feels he has three more seasons two more yeah. seasons and yet the you know we saw what happened the blanket has been taken from under his feet so the fire still goes on, but he doesn't have the platform now. And I think that um, we are too guilty of writing guys off once they get to a certain
0: stage. And I, I think it helps. I think, to be honest, the problem, therefore, is it nearly sort of nudges a fella to the door. You know, we're Definitely nearly nudging by pressure to the yeah. door. You know what I mean? And then the manager says, mate, should I be playing him? He is a bit old. But
2: in GEA circles anyway, guys, the, the bar is coming way down. And once you hit 30 now, you're nearly getting second looks, you know? To see, what are you still doing here? You're it, the granddad of the team.
1: Isn't that a really bad part of sports culture? We're actually... And I have, I've only really seen uh, AC Milan try and do something about this with... now, uh, Who knows? Assuming that it was all Maldini. legal. Uh, assuming that it was all legal the whole way along. But um, they, they've, they're trying to get all their older players to stay for as long as possible because they realise that you can't pay any money to acquire experience that you actually have to live through things and experience Mm -hmm. things and that a squad is always better when it has experienced players in it and so they're they're not averse to buying older players whereas Man United, for example How old is Giggs like? Giggs is almost 40 Is
3: he? Yeah It's all about staying healthy What keeps him young?
0: Yoga (laughs) <laughs> all right. Okay. Pilates. He, he's got a sparkle in his eye. Yeah. And Scholes
3: Scholes is not far. scores is forty thirty five. And skulls was retired. Yeah. And yeah, that was the thing. Back, yeah. So back. it was like
1: so but he retired. Mm. But the, the but Liam
0: has Liam has alluded to it there. Like I mean, and Liam was a fabulous player when he's playing like a star. As fellas get old, all right. They probably don't need as much time. Their decision-making is far, far better Mm. with the ball. So I remember Brian Mullins playing in 83 and he was back after his injury and rehab and all that. And he might only get 50% of the ball he got in the 70s, right? But (laughs) every ball he got did something well. Jerry, you're absolutely
2: right in what you're saying. Look at Shefflin as an example. Look at him last year in the drawn All-Ireland final. But also look back. He's only been used very sparingly in the league over the last four years and also look at the chronic injuries he's got yeah. but yet he's around to lift the tail and to keep at peak performance and I mean he rescued Kilkenny in that All-Ireland final last year he, he he drove it on single-handedly right, yeah. so it just shows if you manage the situation properly like Cody and Shefflin have done communication
0: but O'Driscoll, I don't know where O'Driscoll Ald- is a famous player like, I mean, but I look at the game never mind O'Driscoll. as you said the collision slots, yeah. Do you know what I mean? In yeah. name of God, like I mean, I'd love to see these fellas in ten or fifteen years' time. Like the amount of concussions they're taking, the savages Like I mean, lots of them fellas are fifteen and a half, sixteen stone, and he's coming at you. And he's, like you man Roberts from Wales, like yeah. I'm the size him, yeah. and he's going to hit you. Yeah. yeah, I mean they're yeah. like, like small. Cuthbert's even practice. bigger sure. yeah, every day.
1: Cuthbert's even. two inches taller, and I think a little bit heavier as well. I hear Lee McHale would still be playing Super leagues as a texture if it wasn't for the media hounding him out of uh, hounding him about retirement. <laughs> Are you still playing basketball?
3: I, I am, yeah, but I, I think I played long enough. Sure, we we haven't been a we haven't had a Super League team for years now in Balonasa. So I I played Division One last year. Um, but the great thing about basketball is you can go in for seven or eight minutes and come back out again. And as long as you don't twist an ankle or something like that, you will be fine. But yeah. Um, it's a great, it's a great winter sport. I enjoy. It. I enjoy, really enjoy. You're it, you playing know? Division
1: One national. Yeah, basketball. <laughs> yeah so I'm not going to tell everybody what age you are, but um, yeah. And will you just continue doing this?
3: Well, I just, I, I just, I, I enjoy. I enjoy playing. I'm, I'm still in decent shape. You know, some. I miss it. I miss some games because of my back every now and then. You know, but other than that, I keep playing. You know, and no, it.
1: no long-term injuries from all of the uh, lifetimes spent playing top-class sports.
3: No, no. Um, uh, I found. Uh, people laugh when I say this but I found the basketball far more demanding on my body than the football and Val falls off the bike on the way yeah. from Valley Well, yeah. more
0: do you want <laughs> it's incredible <laughs> <laughs> but there it be, yeah ah look it's, I think we are two ages in the country in general you know we do try to sort of like I mean there's a, a pro youth sort of thing and you know every, give the young fella a chance and it is right but as a culture and a society perhaps like we shouldn't be writing people off no matter what, what profession they're in whether it's rugby soccer Gaelic hockey you know um, you know or even managerial you, you know. Yeah. but before we go uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, before we go next Friday uh, it's a charity gig football match between Tralee Sigerson past th- winning teams versus the current IT Tralee team with lots of Morris Fitzgerald all the Kerry fellas Mike, Frank, Russell Marco, Roily all them so raise a few pounds for two very notable cancer charities down there and it's in Austin Sack Park next Friday night in Tralee Interly. And what time throw in? Uh, that's a good one, 7 o'clock. Okay, and uh,
1: I presume everybody comes along, just donate not Ah, just
0: come on, yeah, yeah, come along. It's, it's for the charities and it's a, a bit of crack.
1: All right, uh, hopefully we'll get a report of that. It's one of the greatest teams of all time, I think, Vals. I, I don't know I don't know what kind of boosting was going on there. Stitched but uh, <laughs> yeah. we'll, ha- we'll have to
3: make <laughs> we'll a documentary John, about about from John Casey was on Mayon. there, I was just yeah. going to say that. You oh. never mentioned John. Oh, forgot.
0: I forgot John Casey. And if, you know, if anybody Did who hasn't he got he an, has an invitation to it, by the way, and here's his programme, you're all with.
1: Val Andrews, Lee McHale, Damien Lourie. Thanks very much. We'll be right back sure. after these.
2: News, talk, sport, Saturday, in association with UPC, the fibre power network with true on-demand TV.